Welcome to the Rethinking Humanity podcast, where we dive deeper into what makes us human and what causes us to thrive. I'm Lacey Delane. Hi, I'm Sonia Lorea. Hey guys, and um, we are so happy to be seeing you here. It's New Year's Eve. Wow. <laughs> New Year's Eve 2020 going into 2021. My gosh, guys, this year went by. I mean, it was painful, but it went by kind of fast, if you think about it, looking back now. Oh, yeah. I can't believe this is New Year's Eve, Lacey. Insane. And we've been doing this one year, right? Yeah. In April, we did our first episode, um, April the 6th. So, yeah, it'll be a year very soon. Isn't that crazy? If the time has flown by, well, this has been a big year. It has been. I mean, when you think about this year and you reflect on what's happened, not only like uh, personally, but also nationally, what are some of the things that you think about, Sonia? Wow. Um, Well, you and I talked a little bit about this. I mean, I think of, I guess, a lot of loss, um, a lot of changes, Mm -hmm. but I also feel gratitude. I have to Mm -hmm. tell you, I think this has this whole culmination of you know, we know COVID and the things that people have gone through, um, also the uprisings, the protests. I think it has made us step back and say what's important to yeah. our society, to our culture. Um, hmm. I, yeah, I mean, we were talking earlier and I really do appreciate really simple things like just going to meet a friend for a cup of coffee or going to a restaurant. Because yeah. need, uh 19, right? We could just go do that. Yeah. Go to the gym, go here, go there, and 2020 changed. Yeah, I mean, I actually was reflecting on that within the last 24 hours. I was like, man, I miss like going dancing and, you know, how easy it was to just go meet someone new or go on a date with someone new or, you know, go, go any kind, do any kind of workout I wanted to do on class pass at any point in time at any gym. And I was like, wow, we don't even realize how good we had. And, and, and now I'm like, I'm just so thankful to have the time to like, to, to go work out and to have the opportunity to do that. Um, and to go sit down and have a coffee. So I think in the ways that it's been challenging at the same time, I think it's probably helped us to appreciate some things um, a little bit more and in a little different way than we had in the past. Sure. And you know, what's interesting is the conversation. So if I say I'm going to work out because I do a workout, they're like, well, how safe is it? And what are the sanitation procedures? I mean, that conversation would have never occurred pre 2020. Yep. So we are in a different world. Um, and hopefully it will, things will, I don't know. I want to, don't want to use the word to get back to normal, get big, you know, progress. Yeah. And we'll be out and about more, but um, this has been a real challenging yet uh, eye opening year for all of us. Yeah. Yeah, it has. I mean, the sentiment amongst myself and my friends um, has lately has been, yay, 2020 is over. <laughs> and I, I kind of feel that way too. Um, I think we may be in a little fantasy place of thinking that things are just going to automatically be better in 2021. Um, and I don't know that that's the case, but I do see, I do foresee some improvements. Um mm-hmm. And I do like the idea of a fresh start. Um, and I am ready for this year to be over because this year was this year was a rough year for me. Definitely the roughest year I've had personally and then also nationally. And I'm sure there's so many people who would echo that exact same sentiment. No, no, no. I, I hear you. I, um, I understand. And I think um, this was a year of loss. This was a year of also people digging deeper and finding things within themselves probably they didn't know they had. Yes. Um, And I know you and I even doing this podcast, I have to say, has been an incredible experience and something I don't know that we would have come to this place. I doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, somebody said this to me a couple weeks ago and I was like, wow, that is such a different way to look at it. And it helped me so much. You know, I was saying how difficult this year has been for me. And the person said to me, um, 
Well, I think that shows how strong you are that you were able to get through such a difficult time and a difficult year. And I was like, wow, I guess it does, doesn't it? Like, I mean, it's funny because the affirmative side of things, we have such a hard time imagining, you know, sometimes um, for ourselves, but it's such a good point. And I think it's something that I would encourage all of us with is like, okay, yeah, this might've been a shitty year for most people, but guess what? We're here. And if we can get through that, that means that, you know, we can get through a, a lot, pro- probably pretty much anything. But anyway, it, it speaks to our, our strength, I guess, is, is my point. So the word I would use, Lacey, to define you and to many people out there is resilience. Mm. Absolute resilience. And that's what we need to hold dear to ourselves, that we, we have that and we keep moving forward. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Well, um, we are on episode 13. It is uh, New Year's Eve 2021, as we've mentioned. Um, I want to shift into just telling you a little bit about um, what we're going to be talking about today and then also give some shout outs. Um, today, we're going to share um, a article for, with you called The End of Productivity um, that Sonia found that we are just fascinated with. Um, There's also some audio that we want to share with you um, from Dr. Mate, Dr. Gabor Mate, who we mentioned in the last um, episode. And then we have we found this really cool article that just had a lot of quotes from Eric Fromm that we want to share in this episode with you um, and and also preview for you. Um, the next episode, which will be the very last chapter of To Have Her To Be, which is fascinating. And I'm excited for us to do that after the first of the year with you. So before we get into all that, I want to give a little shout out to the Fun Time program. They had me on earlier this week. Um, that will be coming out in the next couple of days. Um, give those guys a listen. They're really cool. They're, uh, there's so many interesting topics that they dive into in their podcasts. Um, and I really enjoyed going on on their show. So check that out, too. So you've, you've heard them, haven't you? Yeah. And I need to listen now that you uh, told me you were on there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's, it's cool. It was a good it was an interesting episode. We also talked about how uh, Victor tricked me into starting this podcast. <laughs> so uh, they, they loved that. They thought that was hilarious. So definitely That's listen. Cool. Listen for that. Thank you, Victor. You have changed our lives um, this year. So another shout out to you. Uh, buy Victor a coffee, please. Yes. He's a special person behind the scenes. Yes, yes. He's really to be thanked for all this. Buymeacoffee.com slash Victor Ho. Buymeacoffee.com slash Sonia Larea. Buymeacoffee.com slash Lacey Delane. Um that's how you can support us. We're trying uh, at this point. Trying is the strong word. We're planning to not do ads. We'd like to not do ads. So send us some um, cash that way so we can keep um, coming up with great content for you guys. Um, yeah. And and Sonia, we got coffees from somebody uh, after this last episode. Shout out to Cheryl and Steve. Um, we know them through philosophy. They are awesome. And thank you so much, Cheryl and Steve. They are super special people. They listen to our podcast. They remember us. And mm-hmm. we love you. Yeah, we love you guys. Thank you. Cheryl uh, read this book years ago, and she's yeah. just super loved from and loves this. So thank you guys for all your support and encouragement. It means so much. Guys, also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Instagram is at Rethinking Humanity. Um, I'm getting, we're getting back on to posting regularly. Uh, that had took a back seat to this Senate runoff that's been happening, um, but we're back in the groove now. So don't forget about us. And then we're also on Twitter. It's at Rethinking without any vowels. So R P H N K G Humanity at Rethinking Humanity on Twitter. So find us on those places. And whew, I feel like I just did a lot of promoting. <laughs> this is what I was like trying to avoid. But anyway, that's part of having a podcast, I guess. Right, Sonia? Yeah, yeah. yeah so we yeah. get into it now. <laughs> yeah, let's get into it. Tell us about this um, this article. Um, yeah, I just came across it. And as probably our listeners know, Lacey and I were think along the same lines of this whole idea of 
how society views work and the culture that we live in. And that's really one of the things that attracts us to Frome because mm. he sees the benefits of living differently. And so one of the things I think we've highlighted in this, you know, to have or to be is how to be as opposed to have. And so this article just was incredible, which, you know, Lacey, you can elaborate too. Yeah. Basically, off the top of my head, they talk a lot about a productivity. And there's a lot of analysis in this time of the pandemic where people have not been working and they've had to rethink their lives. Like, what am I doing? Like, why do I work 80 hours a week? And is this really meaningful to me? And they're asking these existential questions. So, yeah, that it, it piqued my interest. So, yeah. Keep going, Lacey. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's true. I mean, I think um, what I love about this uh, article is how real and how raw it is and how it's said. These folks are saying things that I think people really are hesitant to say because they're so against the culture to say these things. Um, and so I, I just want to commend them for, for saying them. And honestly, I've said this to Sonia, I, I kind of would love to have them on the show, like to inter interview them, because yeah. I think this is a fascinating experience that they had coming out of, you know, this place of being obsessed with work and realizing through the pandemic in this lockdown, this isn't really that great, this whole being obsessed with work thing, you know? Yeah, I agree. So, so just to give some background, the article, it's called, Is This the End of Productivity? It's a Vox article from May 22nd. So it's a little bit earlier this year. Mm -hmm. uh, but here, uh, here are just some, some kind of like highlights. And Sonia, if you want to pull any of them from here too, if you want, that's fine. Uh, one of the things that she that says in the article is that we really link success with being exhausted at work. <laughs> yeah. So the more exhausted you are at work, then that's the more successful you feel. Right, right. And those of you listening, I mean, would you not agree that that's true? I think so. Has that been your experience too, Sonia? Yeah, you know what? Absolutely. What what really struck me about this article because they obviously use various examples of people in the workforce is these are people that are very, um, I guess, motivated as both I'm sure I have been and you have been, we can all relate to that. And all of a sudden, because of COVID, they step back and they're like, what am I doing with my life? And how am I measuring myself? And we realize that in our culture, mm -hmm. the measure of success is productivity. Yes. And if that's how you're measuring your self-worth, what does that mean? Yeah. And what happens when that productivity is no longer there? What happens when you no longer have a job? One of the quotes was productivity is the currency by which we measure our own self-worth. Yes. And that's huge. Um, the same mm. token I'd like to say, they talk about the productivity cult. I thought this was fascinating. Mm. This has been internalized by a generation of Americans, um, which I'll just shout out to Gabor Mate, detrimental to physical health and well-being. Yeah. So this is the norm. This is the norm of how we live. So we don't challenge this because it's what everybody does. Mm -hmm. I really think that it's kind of shining a light on a taboo subject of mm -hmm. who says, you know, I mean, the idea is like, oh my gosh, I didn't sleep at night and I got all this stuff done. What does that mean? And this yeah. is what you and I have been talking about forever. You know, it's it's funny too because I'll say, I'll say how I'm thinking and relating to this right now this way. You know, people have said to me, Lacey, what are you going to do? Like, you worked on a presidential campaign. Like, that's a big deal. Like, don't you, like, want to run for office or something? And I'm like, <laughs> or don't you want to, like, you know, strive to, like, work in the White House one day? And I'm like, no. You know what I want to strive for? Having a fucking work-life balance. That's what I strive for. <laughs> and it's, it's, like, this shocking thing to people, you know, because like, – because seriously, like genuinely a title with a busy fucking schedule of a, a stressful job is like this badge of honor. And to me, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm really happy just being a nanny and being at work and being present in the moment with kids and enjoying them and being good with them and then coming home and doing whatever the fuck I want <laughs> instead of being having this like 
productivity all the time mentality. I have to be working. I got to be on all the time and just hung over from right. constant work and not having a balanced life. No, no, no. Totally true. I think um, one of the other statements that I could relate to, it says when you make your identity, mm -hmm. when you make your identity, what you produce, that's a problem, right? And, and like that article is that fits right into from, you know, you yeah. cannot be our identity. And that's, that's a crisis that we're going to have because I think when you're overbooked and you're busy, you're not allowed to ask those mm. existential questions. You're just on that treadmill. Yeah. And so this time of when you aren't working or when you can't work or when you lose your job, you, you have to say, huh, what am I doing? Why am yeah. I doing this? Just like, right. Which is maybe why these folks have come to this conclusion. So I'm going to read another part, which I think is a nice, uh, transition here or, or segue or what have you. It, it's a connection. Like so many other Americans, she spent much of her adult life. This is the woman that is in the article they're talking about in the article. Um, so much of her adult life striving to, to fulfill an incessant demand for productivity in realms, professional and private. She says hyper competitive areas like the Bay Area where she lives reinforce a notion endemic to much of modern American society that constant work and producti productivity equals a greater sense of purpose and meaning in life. Love it. Oh my God. And guess what? It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. No, that's the lie that we've been told. And I think that's the depression that sets in, right? Because if you can do that checklist and say, I did this, I did this, I did this, or I accomplished this, or you have the title, and mm. you're still feeling empty, then what do you do? Right. Fill that hole. I mean, I, I love that's I love that quote. That yeah. Highlights totally. Well, this also makes me think of what Frome has said. Also, Gabor Mate um, echoes it. And I shared one of these, the links that I shared from the last episode um, where he talks about being alienated from our work. And so we really are alienated from our work because it's not something that we're doing <clears throat> as something that genuinely starts because we want to do it, right? It's because generally speaking, there's, if we like it, that's a different than genuinely wanting to do it, right? And so because of that, we we have come become so alienated from our work. And that's why that doesn't give us the satisfaction. That's why there's no sense of purpose and meaning in life. No, absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's, yeah, this has been... Um, that's what happens this year. That's what's happened this year, excuse me, with people who have also been unable to work. Mm -hmm. they've, they've sort of had to face that question. What am I doing? What meaning? The other part that came up in the article that I found really fascinating, you've discussed it, Lacey, is like, what are my hobbies? What do yeah. I like to do? <laughs> right. You know, all these questions, you know, that one should be asking. So I thought that was super interesting. Yeah, you can't self-actualize if number one, you're working all the time, and number two, you don't know what your hobbies are. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't really know yourself is the point, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. I love, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. This was really, really good. Um, the last thing I like that I wanted to say was to overbooked and busy was glorified. People started asking existential questions, which is, I think, what happens, like you're saying, when you have more time, you start to actually think instead of being on this constant, like, I got to do this, I got to do that, I got to go here, I got to do that, you know, the schedule that just block, block, block with stuff. And then you're just too busy to even really think about, well, what am I doing and why am I doing it? Right. And the overbooked uh, is definitely glorified because we've talked about that where people come in and go, oh my gosh, I didn't sleep. Oh my gosh, I had all this work. And it's sort of, putting themselves, I guess, above others on a pedestal. Look how much I did. Mm -hmm. Again, going back the, to have or to be, you know, yeah. or back to that. Yeah. We don't have to live like that. We just don't. And I am, I am just set on not. And I'm <laughs> yeah, I'm just not. And I think the more that the more people realize that and, and feel that way, the more we'll start to see our value shift as a society. Absolutely. So. Cool. Um, the next thing we have is a very exciting little clip that I want to play for you for Dr. Mate from Dr. Mate. Um, it is a curveball that I'm throwing at you, Victor. 
so sorry. I actually did not give you a heads up on this and my apologies. Um, but I put the link to this YouTube um, interview in the little chat, Victor. Um, this is an interview. It's actually one of his most recent interviews. It's from December the 11th, I believe. And it is um, with um, another uh, woman. Let me see if I, I got this written down. Here it is. Um, it's, Wow, I did not write down the time code here. Woo, this is not good. <laughs> I did write it down, but I didn't write it down right here. Give me, give me just. All good. We'll keep, uh, we'll let you figure it out. Okay. Yeah, but um, in the meantime, I will say that um, Lacey telling me about Gabor Mate, you have to listen to him. He's awesome. I've heard him on YouTube and mm -hmm. along the same lines of what we think. And uh, I highly recommend his. Yeah, his videos. It's uh, and any books that he's written because he definitely follows along our philosophy, um, along even with From. Yeah, yeah. The concepts that he talks about are definitely um, what our mindset is. So yes, I encourage everyone to check him out. So while Victor is kind of pulling this up in the background, like the magician that he is. Okay. Um, the title of this YouTube uh, video is called Illness and Health in an Insane Culture, which is actually the name of his upcoming book, which I think just fits so perfectly with our uh, podcast, of course. And the time code uh, for this YouTube video that I'm about to give you, Victor, I've got to grab my journal, um, but is Dr. Mate talking about, he gives a, a metaphor for what culture is and how it's affecting us in a negative way. It's excellent. Um, again, this is um, from December the 11th, 2020. So it's one of his latest interviews. And I think it's really awesome. Let me grab these this time code. Um, and then uh, we will, we'll get this going. All right. Cool. Cool. I this also in our previous discussion about um, how our health and well-being is affected being overworked. So this is going to align right with some of the same uh, discussions we've had on our previous podcasts. Yeah, and, for okay, sure. We, we live in a society, we already know that high stress, high stress means crazy work hours or being, as Lacey said earlier, overworked, being glorified. And uh, it's not worth it to be sick. There's the mental and the physical toll that it takes on us. Yeah. So I think what you're going to play is going to validate what we've talked about. A hundred percent. So this, the time code here is, is five five minutes in and five minutes and 32 seconds in, and we'll stop at six minutes and 23 seconds. Victor, you are the best. Um, and then we can start it back again to seven fifteen after that point. So five minutes and 32 seconds in, this is Dr. Gabor Mate talking about culture and how it affects our individual well-being. Here we go. And uh, which is not a view that most people, what the heck is he talking about? But that's because they haven't looked at the evidence. And, and, and when it comes to culture, think of it this way. Like think of the United States. Something like. 50 or 60% of adults in the U.S. are at least on one medication. Okay. No. Think of the word culture. In a laboratory, when you want to grow microorganisms or organisms, what do you put them in? What do you call the broth that you put them in? A media. You call it a culture medium. And now, if you put these organisms in a cultural medium, and 60% of them became diseased, what would you call that culture? Yeah, what would you call that culture? Yeah. If, if those organisms, 60% of them were sick, right. you would call it toxic. <laughs> well, it says 50 to 60% on medication. Exactly. What would you call that culture? That's <laughs> not, that's not like there's a couple of individual problems here. That's like, there's a societal problem. Okay. So let's take that from 623 up to 715. Victor, you are the man. Thank you so much. 
questioning of the whole system. Now, you know, it's fascinating. Like, um, there was this um, plague of locusts in Africa last year. Do you know what a locust is? It's an ordinary grasshopper, a certain kind of grasshopper that under certain conditions morphs into this predacious, voracious herd animal that devastates tens of thousands of acres a day, depending on how big the swan is. When the conditions go back to normal, those same organisms, genetically the same organisms, go back to being grasshoppers. Right. Now, as human beings, we're more um, conscious and you might say we're less at the effect of the environment, but we're far, but we're far more at the effect of the environment than we like to imagine. Oh, sure. Well, whether it comes to neurotypical conditions or, or, or mental illness, as we call it, that's an interesting conversation, over mental illness or such, or a, a designation for something else, or physical illness, chronic physical illness. Like even if you look at COVID, you might say, uh, you know, it, it, we're all in it together. No, we're not. If you're a person of color and I got a low paying job and so on, and, 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 and you're living in crowded housing and you're living under a lot of stress, not true. Even the resident of the White House can get a, get COVID if they're stupid enough to not to take precautions. Mm-hmm. So nobody is actually totally immune. But you can stop it right there, Victor. So, I I actually um, I, I love this that he's bringing up how black and brown people, um, like obviously proportionally, are negatively affected by. Uh, COVID more so than others. That's mm-hmm. definitely true. Um, where are we on this? We're at 917. Is that right? Can you go to 623? 623. Yeah, that works. 620, yeah. 619 even works. What would you call that culture? Contaminated. Contaminated, toxic, you know. And we also grow up in a culture. Humans are just as much the at the effect of the environment that we live in as a culture, as, as, as organisms in a laboratory broth. And it, you have this very wealthy country, at least a country where there's a lot of wealth. Mm-hmm. And, and and a country that wields so much power in the world, and sixty percent of its adult population is on medication. What are you going to call that culture? If you recognize that the individual um, organism really represents uh, the functioning of the whole system. Now, mm. you know it's fascinating. Like um, there was this. Um, plague of locusts in Africa. Okay, you could stop it. Year. Awesome. So yeah, he's saying that that the individuals basically reflect the wealth, I'm sorry, the health of the society as a whole. Super interesting. I, I just, I heard that and I was like, this is so good. This is such a good, obvious example of why culture truly does have an effect on our individual health. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, hopefully people will go back and hear the whole thing. I mean, I heard the part about the mental illness. Um, it's uh, it's really fascinating in the toxic culture. I think we just look at that as sort of the norm. Mm-hmm. You know, did I ever tell you, this is kind of a personal antidote, but I'll bring it up. I went to the doctor one day and the, the woman goes through, you know, they're, where they give you the checklist of like, you just could be doing a physical. She said, like, what medications are you on? Yeah. I'm not on any medications. You're not mm-hmm. on any medications? She was stunned. <laughs> no, they're used to putting in, like, oh, you take this for blood pressure or, I don't know, whatever wow. you're cholesterol. But isn't that weird that we, that's our norm now? 
It's a little bit scary. It's all scary. Yeah. You know, because that is a toxic environment that we, the norm is that we're supposed to be sick. Yep. You know? Wow. <laughs> yeah. And heart disease is just so common. You know, it's just so, I mean, I guess it's probably shocking to people when you're, you know, oh. when you're not on, you know. Blood what is really right. shocking, what I, what I will, and you pipe in anytime, Lacey, what I love about Gabor Mate is he talks about stress and how that actually influences our, you know, physical well-being. And I think yeah. for many years, I don't think people really associated the two, but mm -hmm. we now know that stress affects, like you're saying, the heart, uh, blood pressure, so many other illnesses. And that's the mind-body connection that we've been Yes. You know, I'm laughing because later in that uh, interview, they talk about how there's been some recent studies released about how when you're lonely, mm -hmm. there's a certain part of your brain that lights up that makes you hungry. <laughs> and I was like, well, no wonder I gained so much weight this year. Because <laughs> I was lonely and I was hungry, so I ate. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sure I'm not the only one, too. So Yeah, no, you're not the only one. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, uh Good stuff. Victor, I threw your curveballs. You're awesome. Thank you so much for being flexible. All right. So last thing we'll we'll chat about today um, is this cool article that we found on um, it's a collection of Eric Bohm quotes. And there were so many in here. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that just struck me so so strongly. And I know um, Sonia too. So we wanted to take some space to like share them with you and um, just discuss them. So uh, that's what we're, that's what we're going to do now. Do you want me to throw some out? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, let me see. There's so many. Yes. So the first one, I'm actually going to start with the last one that I wrote because I think it just speaks to the, the whole Chrome story that we're telling here. If yeah. I am what I have, and if I lose what I have, who then am I? Mm. Yeah. I love it. It's kind of fits into the article too, that's saying, how are we, you know, how do we view ourselves? What do I, we identify with? And if we're identifying with work, mm -hmm. that's a problem or with what we have also. Because if you can lose it and you're identifying yourself with it, if slash when it gets lost, Absolutely. absolutely. Then who are you then anymore? And that's a scary thing. And that's, I think, a, a reason why people have a hard time taking risks, making changes in their lives, that kind of thing, because they're defining themselves so much by what they have. And if they lose that, they're like, they don't know how to handle that. True. And I'm going to throw this other one out because it just really, oh my gosh, I love this one. The only truly affluent are those who do not want more than they have. Mm. And I absolutely love that because I think of that being okay with what you have and not always like striving to mm. have more. And I think that's one of the problems in our culture because we know that that doesn't, we've talked about that on the podcast, that doesn't bring you happiness. Yeah, so only truly affluent are those that they're okay with what they have. That's just, it's that's a really powerful. You know where I see where I've seen that, um, and it's a place where um, many people I think would be surprised to say like you can see happiness, um, but it's in Latin America, in third world countries where their people are poor, and they're just you know it's because they are just. There's, there's not something more that they're always striving for. You know, it's like they have what they have and they're thankful for it and that's it. And, and they share what they have because they know that that equals joy, you know? And so, yeah. yeah. You know what I love what you're saying about Lacey that kind of um, hits me is I would say people that would push back, I'd say in those countries, if you have food and a roof over your head and your family, you know, they're happy, they're dancing, they're celebrating. And they're not thinking like, ooh, when I get that car next week or when I get that like sweater I wanna buy. Mm -hmm. And that that consumer mentality that we have, it, it doesn't work. No. It takes you away from those moments. 
Where yeah. like you said, you're sharing what you have and mm -hmm. you're living in that moment. And that's all that we have. That's yeah. all that we have. I had so many people too in my travels to Guatemala and then after living there say to me, oh, did it make you realize how good we have it here? And I was like, no, <laughs> actually it did the opposite. You know, Like it made me realize how good they have it. And they have a different understanding, a different outlook. Let's go there, a different culture. And yeah. that gives them more space and opportunity to be happy and enjoy their life. And so I, I think that we got a lot to learn from them. That's what I think. Yeah, it's more it's more of an enriching um, experience. You know, the fact if you have, I don't know, a fancier house, that just that's just something that we've that's a bill of goods we've been sold. Yep. Having that stuff, yes, as people would say have acquisition is going to make you happy. And we know we know that it doesn't work. Yep. It's not the way of the way of life. So which quotes uh, struck you? Yeah, so I um, I was struggling on which one to start with, but I think I think I want to start with this one because I think it speaks to the whole of the philosophy uh, behind what we're saying, um, and I think I'm the most passionate about it. So he he says, man's main task in life is to give birth to himself, to become what he potentially is. The most important product of his own effort, I'm sorry, the most important product of his effort is his own personality. I think a lot of people would find the second sentence pretty controversial, but when you understand what happens when the self is developed and well taken care of, I think you can understand that that actually, I think is a pretty accurate statement. Um, but I love that Fromm had the vision to know what this is all really about is human beings to be able to self-actualize. And it's a process. And in the process of that, the relationships, the, the, the art, the love, the relationships that come out of that, that's what we're all really living for. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and I think you shared that with me. I know that this always comes back to the community because we do have in our culture this idea of the individual. And the reality is that an individual, that we're not going to move forward unless we collectively do that. And that's one of the reasons that I love Frome, because he speaks to that over and over again in his writings. Mm -hmm. How important, you know, how important society is. Um, I think there was one, I was trying to find it, which goes along with what you were saying um, that I love. I might not have the whole thing, but all men are in need of help and depend on one another. It goes on. It really talks about human solidarity. Yeah, let me see if I can find that. Maybe we can find the total. Yeah. There, but mm -hmm. I, I love that, especially for now with COVID and what we've gone through. I think the idea is that we have to, we have to come together. This isn't an individual mm -hmm. fight. This is a, you know, this is hu humanity coming together. Yeah. That's a different concept than what our culture has sort of taught us. Yes. Here it is in, in its full. Uh, all men are in need of help and depend on one another. I mean, that right there, it busts up from societal norms just right there. Because nobody wants to say they need help and nobody wants to depend on anyone, especially in the U.S. True. Nobody's a strong word. Many people are, are convinced. Many people are, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Human solidarity is the, is the necessary condition for the unfolding of any one individual. I'm going to read that again. I love that. Human, human solidarity is the necessary condition for the unfolding of any one individual. Oh, no, I had to read that three times to go like, whoa, that's huge. Well, it's it seems like, like it is deep, but it's also, I think, if you stop and think about it, it's kind of obvious. Like, look at this year. Many of us have been alone, especially single people who live alone, have been alone this year. And we haven't been like thriving and unfolding our full potential in solidarity, like locked in. You know what I'm saying? So it makes sense that I think we're so brainwashed to think like we have to be independent. We're the makers of our own destiny. We don't need help from anybody and we better not need help from anybody. Um, that like the solidarity is actually 
um, the key, you know, like there's just so much, there's only so much you can do on your own. And it's only so much you can learn on your own. Sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, that's, that, it's so interesting that you, that's the next one that you, I mean, or the one that I picked up for what you said, it's so good. The mm -hmm. other one that I love, and you and I spoke about it actually, is this one I'm going to say, selfish persons are incapable of loving others, but then they are not capable of loving themselves either. Ooh. I absolutely love that because um, mm. as we spoke, I think, I'm not saying it's easy, but I do believe sincerely and wholeheartedly that you have to learn to love yourself before you can be healthy enough to love someone else. Yes. The, the quality of love you give to yourself is the quality of love that you will give to others. I believe that wholeheartedly. Will you read that again? Yeah. Selfish persons are incapable of loving others, but they are not capable of loving themselves either. Hmm. So what? Yeah, the root of all of the issues, basically what he's saying there, is that they can't love themselves. Which right. tells you that if you can love yourself and you can love yourself well, you can love others well. But that's a huge dysfunction. Those folks <laughs> need everybody to love them, but they don't love themselves. No, that's I know. I know. And it's, it's something I think it's really, I think it's very much in our society because I think we do have a narcissistic society. And so there's these things that we think are love and they're not love. And yeah. the idea... You know, it's not a selfish thing. In fact, you one has to love oneself before you're even in a position to give that love to anyone else. Yes. You know? And unfortunately, in our culture's kind of, we're definitely not on the right track there. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I have a cool one. Okay. Um, I love this. It's linked to uh, love and quality of relationships. It says to love one person productively means to be related to his human core, to him as representing mankind. Okay, so listeners, I want you to think about these words that he's using, human core, um, and represent him representing mankind. Think, think about this, try to think it on a deeper level. To love one person productively means to be related to his human core, to him as representing mankind, love for one individual insofar as it is divorced from love for man can refer only to the superficial and to the accidental of necessity. It remains shallow. So, you know, what I feel like he's saying here is like, if you love someone, but you can't love humankind, mm -hmm. humanity too, um, there's a, a shallowness to your love. That's a selfishness too. Yeah. 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 yeah that's an awesome one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, really. And I think Froome's message too does come down to, to love. Um, yeah. That's, that is a really good one. Um, I was going to say this other one that makes me, I had to think about it, but makes me think that this kind of is appropriate for our time is, Creativity requires the courage to let go of uncertainties. Mm. And that speaks to me because I like certainty and I like to know what's going to happen. So yeah. I love the fact that creativity requires the courage mm. to let go. And that even the letting go, that language to let go of uncertainties. I think, yeah. um, mm. you know, we all, I mean, I shouldn't say we all, but most of us would like some degree of security and safety. Yeah. Let go of that. For that, create for things to change, right? For things to blossom. Yes, I think it, it reminds me of being like doing painting, which I've done very little of, but I'm trying. And if I'm trying to control what I'm painting, it mm -hmm. just doesn't work. But right, if I let it develop, it 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 works, and let it be what it is. And so, I think that's similar to what he's saying, and maybe a a way to kind of think about it in a different way. Different yeah. And when we think of being creative, I'm thinking of so many things like whether it's, I know the traditional things are music or art or um, like you're saying, but even just thinking outside the box, you know, if we want to know, oh, we want to be safe. We want to be certain. We stay in this space. It is very limited. 
yeah. so be creative, you have to expand that. Mm. And then there's that kind of letting go of fear, which I think many of us, myself included, have. You know, let's stay in the safe space. You know, yeah, yeah. Risk taking is important. Mm -hmm. Important for that and for growth. Period. End of sentence. Absolutely. So he says, men are born equal, but they are also born different. Oh, I like that one too. Mm -hmm. I, I think to me, this, this reminds me of how in a false way, we, we say as a culture, like everybody's the same. We are born equal. We're all men are equal. We're all human right. beings. We all deserve to We're be treated. different. But we're different. And that does mean that we need different things and we want different things. And that's a good thing. Yeah. And I think that's honoring that difference. Um, you know, and I'm sure we've all had experiences where you meet someone and you might look at that individual and think you know who they are, maybe how they're dressed or how their hair is or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you get to know them and it's a completely different story. And so the idea of is really embracing difference. Otherwise, what kind of world would we have? Boring. Boring, like, um, like which was another one he has is robots do not rebel. Mm. <laughs> we don't want to live in a robotic society. And that's really fascinating that he talks about that now with all the technological changes we've had. And one of our concerns is, you know, automation. Yeah. So this idea of looking at our humanity is, it's now we have to be... Yeah. Seriously taking a look at that. Yeah. So the next one is a little bit long, um, okay. but it is about society. And um, so I think I'm going to try to, I'm going to go here. Okay. Um, guys, stay with me and let's just see what we get from it. All right. So he says, the thick individual finds himself at home with all other similarly sick individuals. The whole culture is geared to this kind of pathology. The result is that the average individual does not experience the separateness and isolation the fully schizophrenic person feels. He feels at ease among those who suffer from the same deformation. In fact, it is the fully sane person who feels isolated in the insane society. And he may suffer so much from the incapacity communi to communicate that it is he who may become psychotic. In the context of this study, the crucial question is whether the hypothesis, hypothesis of a quasi-autistic or of a low-grade schizophrenic disturbance would help us to explain some of the violence spreading today. Again, that's deep. Yeah. Um, but what are your initial thoughts, Sonia? No, I liked, you know what I got? My initial thought is because I have something similar, so I'm going to throw this out there. Okay. The millions of people share the same forms of mental pathology does not make these people sane. That one really, oh my, I was like, oh my God, that yep. is so true. The idea is that if everyone around you is thinking, you know what, this is the way it is, and you're seeing something different, what do you do? That doesn't mean you know mm -hmm. that they're sane and you're not. But I think the challenge of that, what's really, I, I guess, sobering hearing you say that is, how do you live in a world mm -hmm. where everybody else is, you know, thinking differently. Right. I, I think the answer is, as we probably both know, it's hard. It's, it's, it's hard. hard. Yeah. Very hard. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I have thought of that. So I find that really fascinating um, because we're kind mm. of like a cheat going along. And then that one lone person is out there mm -hmm. saying, whoa, whoa, you guys, you got it wrong here. But how? it's very challenging because then you're that individual. Yeah. Going back to the whole society, you're alone. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it probably takes courage mm -hmm. to step out of that space. But I think it's something that should be looked at mm -hmm. and, and discussed and critically analyzed and not just say, hey, this got, you know, that the masses know. Because this is one of the things that Prem talks about is no, the masses can be insane. I think yes. It's same. Because it's what everybody is doing doesn't mean it's sane. No. Doesn't mean it. We yeah. could have a shared pathology, which is what he is saying. His studies have done. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There's yeah. a shared 
we have a shared pathology, workaholics. <laughs> yes, yes. And using people, um, manipulating people, brainwashing people, controlling people, getting people to do what we want them to do because of at the bottom, bottom line, what is it about? The almighty dollar, right? right. Yes. It's disgusting. I really hate it. (laughs) This is a good tie to this next one that I wanted to say. Love is an action. The practice of human power, which can be practiced only in freedom and never as a result of compulsion. So anyone who's at, who's loving you because they feel like they have to mm-hmm. or compulsory, that's not love. Love yeah. is from a place of like giving and genuine a free, from freedom, from a free place. No, and that that's that's the message that we should, yeah, it's love. It's absolutely, that's, mm-hmm. that's his ultimate message. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the last one, unless you have something else uh, after this, there is only one meaning in life, the act of living itself. No, I love love this guy. Yay. We could talk about him forever. Yes. So um, I'll put the link to this uh, article where you guys can dig into these um, in our, in the description. So um, you can enjoy it as well, but we hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's a great day. It's going to be. I'm I'm hopeful for a really good 2021. We're excited for a lot more focused energy on the podcast for 2021. Um, so that's really great. We're also excited about the next chapter. There's some really good shit in the next chapter. It's the last chapter of um, Have It To Be. So that's really cool. We'll, um, we just got a lot of good stuff coming up. So we're excited for you guys. Sonia, what are your, what are your parting words, my friend? Well, I'm just so happy that people have tuned in and I want to make a promise to everybody that we are going to be strong in 2021 with rethinking humanity. So be listening to us. Tell your friends about us. Yes. Hear your comments or thoughts, but um, we're here for you. And I wish everyone an incredible 2021. Yes. Happy New Year. Uh, Cheers to 2021.